You're listening to Beyond the Ribbon, a podcast of the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center. This podcast is brought to you by Kia of Amarillo, proud member of the Auto Inc. family of dealerships. Be sure to check out their website at kiaofamarillo.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? Pam, I am really doing good. Today's been a good day. It has been. Um, You know, we're here for another great episode, and I'm really excited about talking about easy ways that we can um, change our lifestyles. You know, sometimes it's so overwhelming and so hard to start something, but hopefully with these 15 tips that we're going to give our listeners um, to a better lifestyle, I think um, they're in for a treat. Yeah, you you just kind of set the tone for our listeners. Um, you you guys need to buckle in, get, maybe get a bottle of water. Uh, I can guarantee you, you need to get a notepad and a pen. Um, I think there's there's going to be a lot to take away from this 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 episode today. The other thing too, Pam, is you 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 touched on something that I know we'll we'll discuss a little bit too. Is is it's hard to just get started. And I know that you've used the, a quote before that I think it was um, our cardiologist that was on, you know, it's like 20% of something is better than zero. And wow. you know, really just starting where you are and not being judgmental. And, and we're going to go through all of those things, but I'm just kind of setting the tone for you guys listening, because this is not going to be a, you got to do this and you got to do that. And if you don't do this and you don't do that, you're in big trouble kind of podcast. We're just hoping me into a panic. I know me too, because uh, I can promise you of these 15, there's a handful that I know I'm not doing uh, uh, self-profession there. So I am really excited for uh, our guest today. Uh, it's, it's really neat to, to, to talk to folks who are cancer survivors themselves and taking that situation and turning it into um, helping others get through this terrible journey that no one wants, right? Yes. Yes. So without further ado, Kathy Lehman is a registered dietitian, nutrition therapist, certified personal trainer, and a survivor of hormone-positive breast cancer. She's the founder of, uh, and we're going to talk about this, uh, she's the founder of The Peaceful Plate, not not The Happy Plate. You know, that's that, that's what we had when you, you cleaned your plate when you were little, right? <laughs> This is an online nutrition education and coaching program that ends food confusion and anxiety for women diagnosed with hormone-driven breast cancer. She's also the creator and writer behind, now get this, the damn mad about breast cancer blog. And I'm, I love it. <laughs> I do too. And I, I can I can already hear people saying, you got that right. That, that they can totally relate. Uh, Kathy earned her Bachelor of Science degree in human nutrition and dietetics from the University of Illinois at Chicago, completed her dietetic internship through the University of uh, Illinois at Chicago, coordinated undergraduate program. She holds a master's degree in health psychology and has completed extensive training in the principles of intuitive eating for the management and treatment of eating disorders, disordered eating, unhealthy food relationships, and body image concerns. She's also uh, she's certified as a personal trainer through the National Strength and Conditioning Association and is a member of the American, I mean, excuse me, of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and the Oncology Dietetics Practice Group. Now, here's the thing. All of that means 
She is someone that we need to listen to and we are coming to for answers. And I don't say that by putting pressure on Kathy, but Kathy, we are so glad that you took time to join us and our listeners today. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm well. Thanks for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here with both of you, Ryan and Pam. And um, I was listening to you read my bio and probably like most people who've been through cancer, I have this before cancer and after oh. cancer, a very clear delineation and everything that you read. That's all I was, I was doing all of those things and working in that capacity at the time of my diagnosis. So to your point, I've got a ton of experience in the field of nutrition and fitness and health psych. So I'm excited for the conversation. Well, we, I know our listeners are too. And um, it seems like Pam, a lot of times I know you hear, I hear occasionally, you know, these questions about I'm, I'm in treatment. How do I eat or what do I do? Or I'm out of treatment. How do I eat? Am I supposed to those kinds of things? And so that's kind of the discussion, you know, for today's topic is um, really trying to have those lifestyle behaviors um, adjusting for cancer survivors. Yes. You know, oftentimes, um, you know, we tell people they don't need to know about us until they need to know about us. And I think that's the same with um, nutrition. They don't need to know about nutrition until they need to know about nutrition, right? Until right. something life-changing happens, then they realize, whoa, this is important. Yes, yes. So, you know, I think the, the where we start, Kathy, let's just kind of start diving in and you guys listening. Like I said, get out your notepad, get out your pen. Uh, don't take notes while you're driving. That's a disclaimer. We want to make sure everybody knows that. But I tell you, um, there's a lot as I'm looking at these 15 uh, and, and it's broken down. But um, do we just start with the, the first one with bite back with nutrition? Sure. Let's talk nutrition. All right. Let's talk nutrition. Um, what is it where we can start at the basic here uh, in making these meaningful lifestyle behavior changes for cancer survivors? Yes. Okay. So I love what Pam said. We don't really think about nutrition until we need to think about nutrition. And that kind of breaks my heart just a little bit because as a dietitian, I think everybody should be thinking about the way they fuel their bodies, because you know I've been doing this for so long, and I I built my career and became a dietitian based on the fact that I know the power of good nutrition, and everyone knows that. Yet I think that it, with so much misinformation and a lot of nutrition myths out there in the world, people get really confused about what's the best way to go about that? They feel like it's either very restrictive and, um, you know, deprivation-based, thanks to a lot of diet culture and diet industry, you know, um, language. <laughs> and then, or they're kind of like in the other camp of, gosh, I just, you know, it's a free-for-all. It doesn't really matter what we eat. We're all going to get something anyway, so it doesn't matter. And But what I think happens when you have a cancer diagnosis um, it, it's a wake-up call for some people who have said, well, I want to pay better attention to my diet now. This is kind of a reminder. Or if someone's really, you know, always paid attention to it, they feel like, well, maybe I need to up-level it. Maybe I can, you know, use nutrition to support me getting through cancer and then going into survivorship in a healthy way. So it plays a role 
along what I call the continuum of cancer. You mentioned breast cancer, or excuse me, cancer survivors. And the bulk of my work is with breast cancer survivors because at that point they're ready to tackle that, you know, they have the time and the focus and the attention to be able to tackle their nutrition. But wherever someone is in that cancer continuum, whether they're newly diagnosed, they're in active treatment, they're post-treatment survivorship, or they're living with metastatic, nutrition is really important. Absolutely. I think we learned that in one of our podcasts before, you know, what we eat matters. Yes. And I can, I can also, you know, say, I know you guys that have come to any of Whitney's nutrition classes, you, um, you've heard that as well. You know, you've heard that in in our other podcasts where we talk about how to get more fruits and how to get more vegetables in your diet, uh, eating on a budget, but eating healthy and the other pieces and parts about a plant-based, a plant-based diet and how that's very important. Um, and again, I think, and I, I'm assuming, you know, Kathy, that um, you're, you're kind of in, in the realm too, like our dietitian is, is it's, it's small modifications, you, you know, those make large differences, right? Absolutely. And th- you bring up a good point because I think, especially after cancer diagnosis, uh, there's a tendency to think all or nothing, black and white, good and bad. Um, I've heard that throughout my career. You know, if someone's ready to start taking care of their health with nutrition, they're like, well, I was really bad last week. I ate pizza. And so, or, oh, I have to be really strict with my diet because I want to get healthy. And those don't, those approaches are not um, beneficial and they're not sustainable in the long run. So small modifications, like you mentioned, I like to say a little bit today, a little more tomorrow. It's really about the consistency of continually moving forward even a little, like one bite at a time, that really adds up to a pattern that makes the biggest impact on your overall health rather than any one food or one meal. And we know that in the research that it's the pattern of your, of the way that you eat most of the time that really makes an impact on determining how healthy you are or not versus, you know, one meal, one food, one week, even it's over time. Yeah. Right. So what are some easy tips that you can share with our listeners that um, we can modify or change? I would say probably the place that most people could be filling in, there's a gap in their nutritional approach would be, um, Ryan mentioned it, to really bump up the produce. I always say put more plants on your plate. And if you lead with thinking first, what fruits and or veggies do I want to put on my plate? What whole grains, what nuts, what seeds, you know, think about the plant side of your meal first and then fill in with the other things. Like, are you someone who includes animal-based protein? Then fill in with that. Um, Because we're just, it's easy to, to overlook or push to the side the produce, the veggies, the fruits, the plants, and the plant-based diet approach. Um, and and I just think if you just focus on that, lead with that, and start to get it top of mind, and then build around that, that's really, you know, something that it's easy to do if, you, if, you, if you're intentional about it. So I like to recommend, think about five fruits that you love. Think about five vegetables that you love. Try to always have those in your house and rotate through those every day, at least, you know, two fruits and three cups of veggies a day. And that'll get you 
moving forward in that more plants on your plate approach. So what is the recommended um, amount of fruits and vegetables per day? Well, you probably heard of the old five a day campaign. <laughs> and so that's five servings a day of fruits and veggies combined. And for, you know, with the cancer focus, it's really the more, the better, the more produce, the better. But that's hard for people to wrap their mind around what is more, you know, for what's more for me may not be more for you, where those could be two different amounts. So I like to give the guideline of aim for at least three cups of veggies a day and at least two servings of fruit. So a serving of fruit could be, you know, two pieces of fruit, an apple and a banana or an orange and a handful of grapes or even dried fruit like prunes and apricots and raisins and figs and all those, you know, dates, those all still give nutrition. But if you think about a minimum of like, you know, having those specific amounts, that's easy to, you can say those are very measurable. Those are metrics that you can say, yep, I either check that off or I'm, I'm still running short today so I can make it up later somewhere else. Yeah, it's almost kind of like, um, you know, like like a, 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 a to-do list. And, you know, you've got to, I still got one more serving of, of veggies to get in or, or another uh, fruit. Uh, you wrote on the um, the blog that we're we're talking about that uh, try to dedicate at least half your plate's real estate to fruits and veggies, and I like that. That um, I'm a visual person, and so I really appreciate the visuality of that because now I I kind of know oh I'm not getting enough. Uh, my my steak is way too big, too big maybe, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. You know, um, to to have more veggies. So um, I know that's a that's a good piece there. Um, the next part that you talk about is dining out. Help us understand how we can uh, help with nutrition when we're dining out. Yeah, dining out poses a number of, um, I don't want to say challenges, but it, what if I, well, let me just back up. Regardless of whether you're eating at home or you're eating out, if you're intentional about what you're trying to accomplish with your nutrition and your diet, you tend to make different choices. And I always say before you even dine out, if you can, sometimes you're dining with a group of people and they say, meet us at X restaurant. You're like, okay, it's that person's birthday. It's this celebration. So this is where we're going to be. But I, one of my first recommendations is if you can choose a restaurant that offers healthier options on the menu, you know, more plant forward options, or at least has a lot of those, you know, items on, on the menu, you can build a meal around that uh, with intention. But if you can't, you know, choose the restaurant off the bat to be something that's healthier to start with, I always recommend looking, you know, look at the side dishes. They, you know, the, the protein, especially in this country, tends to get, you know, top billing, you know, like the biggest steak, the the biggest piece of fish, um, 20 pound lobster tails, whatever it is. And, and Americans like bigger is better, right? And they think about that with their food. And so if you can think about starting with, you know, baked potatoes, salads, broccoli, you know, even roasted or sauteed or any, any way that's prepared, you're getting plants first and then, you know, fill in with the smaller amounts of the protein. That's that works at home and it works at restaurants, but it's not the way we're, you almost have to reprogram your brain to think about it that way, because it's not how we're, um, we've been conditioned to go about dining out. Yeah. Things very doable. Yeah. yeah. I like the word you've said now several times about intentional and intentionality. 
Yeah, that's big. It, it, it just struck me that, that that's a really powerful word. And I've, I don't know that I've ever really thought about being so hyper-focused and intentional on my food, which mm-hmm. now I, I realize and go, I probably need to be. I love that you say that, Ryan, because it's, you know, we always want to remember that food isn't, it's not a, a moral issue. It's not a, I eat better than you eat issue. And that's sometimes some of the language or, or the the context that I get out there in the social media world and such as that. And again, having done this for over 20 years, I know that that can really wreak havoc with people. There's a lot of guilt and shame and blame around how we take care of ourselves. And part of that is what we put on our plate. So when I say intentional, what I mean by that is you know what makes you feel good. You know what kind of food on your plate makes you feel not bloated, not overfull, not gassy, not just uncomfortable that after the meal ends or the next day. You know what foods that is. But we don't always choose those follow we tend to yeah we tend to be in the minds of it's a celebration i'm going to have the biggest slice of cake the biggest steak and the biggest martini i can have there's nothing wrong with that that's not a judgment it's just if that doesn't align with your goals with how you want to take care of yourself where can you start to tweak that because you're always in charge of what you order no one makes you order nobody ties you up and gags you at the restaurant and says, order the biggest of everything that's sugary, sweetie, you know, salty. You know, it's it's about recognizing what will make you feel good and being intentional about it. Maybe even eat before yeah. you go so you're not tempted for all the bad things. Well, so I love that you say that because, you know, food's not good or bad. This is mm-hmm. one of my philosophies. It's what we make it mean. Mm-hmm. All food is neutral. You know, French fries... And ice cream both give us calories for fuel. They French fries have some nutritional value. Ice cream has calcium and protein. I mean, there's always some nutritional, not always, but most of the time there's some nutritional benefit in food. But we make ice cream and French fries and it mean bad food. It's not bad. It probably doesn't make us feel so great, you know? Mm-hmm. So there are choices that are better for us. You know, I would say ice cream's not broccoli, but it's also not cyanide. You know, there, there's a difference between. I'm going to remember know. that. I'm going to remember that next time I want some ice cream. <laughs> yeah, you could say it's just ice cream. It's not cyanide. It's not cyanide. Kathy, the dietitian, told me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. But if, you, if that kind of, you know, and, and we're, again, we're conditioned to say, well, I'm bad. This food is bad. And if the food is bad at me and we choose that, it makes us bad. And that, feeds into that whole blame, shame, guilt, anxiety. And that's what I hear from a lot of the women I work with in my program and the work that I do is, you know, I feel so guilty. You know, I've had cancer. If I drink, I have a glass of wine, I feel guilty. If I eat a piece of pie, I feel guilty. I want a cracker, I feel guilty. That's just, cancer is stressful and anxiety provoking enough that the food does not need to add another layer on top of that. It's not necessary. And it's, that's why I say it kind of breaks my heart that people struggle in that way. So it's my mission to educate on the role that nutrition and diet plays. And it's not about, you know, being virtuous. It's about how can it help you or how can it make you feel not so great? And then you get to decide. 
That's right. So you mentioned about um, farmer's market and freeze the extra. Is there any other tips with vegetables so that maybe in the winter months that we do get more um, vegetables in, on our plate? Yeah, seasonal. I mean, and you're all in Texas. I'm in Chicago area. We do not have farmer's markets in the winter. Not outdoor. I mean, we have a few inside, but just very limited, you know, winter vegetables. But um, even those count. I mean, any vegetable that comes out of the ground, it has nutritional value. So in the winter, you know, it may be, you know, we're doing more things like winter squash. We're doing more um, sweet potatoes or potatoes and onions and parsnips and carrots and broccolis around year round. Those sorts of things you can find fresh, you know, especially in the winter. But maybe it's easier for someone to lean more toward the frozen vegetable aisle in the winter because for convenience, as well as nutrition. I mean, a lot of times people ask me, well, are frozen foods, you know, vegetables as nutritious as fresh? And sometimes they're even more nutritious because they are picked and cleaned and packaged and frozen right away. So they may hold a little bit more nutritional value than say, you know, frozen green beans versus green beans that have been sitting in a bin or, you know, they've traveled from California to Chicago, then they sit in the grocery store for a week or so. I mean, that might be inflating the timeline, but um, so yeah, frozen is absolutely precious and, and very convenient, easy to stock up on. So what about organic versus non-organic? What about it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if all I can afford is the non-organic vegetables, am I, is that more harmful for myself? Or is it, I'm getting the vegetables? Yes. I, I love that. You, it's kind of crazy that you asked me that question, Pam, because just this week I've been having, um, on my Instagram, we've been talking about organic versus non-organic because it came up in my group program. And the, the um, recommendation is whether it's organic or conventional, it's better to get more produce. You know, like you said, it's, it's sometimes organic is, ridiculously expensive. People's budget can't support that. Sometimes it looks terrible. I scoped out some of the organic produce at my grocery store this earlier this week and the lettuce was slimy and the peppers were starting to turn just because I think it sits longer because people, you know, they weigh the cost, especially right now, and they may you know lean more toward conventional. So I think it goes bad more quickly. So if it doesn't look fresh and delicious, skip it. If it doesn't fit your budget, skip it but get the conventional version so that you get the benefits of the vitamins, the minerals, the fiber, the antioxidants, the phytochemicals, because you get that regardless of whether it's organic or conventional. So it's better to get that in. Yeah. Pam, did you notice, sorry, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to cut you off, but did you notice that Kathy used um, uh, Whitney's favorite word? Yes. Phytochemical. Phytochemicals. Oh, <laughs> Whitney our must be your dietitian. She is. She's our oh, dietitian. Okay. And, <laughs> Um, she's, she's made that sound, made that word, you know, made that statement several times. Like, this is my favorite word because it's fun to say, but it means so much. And, uh, so when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, the next point that you talk about, um, is one that I know that, that Whitney has brought up before about slowly or try to as much as you can, uh, cook more at home, right. Than, than eating out. And I know sometimes that's hard. Life gets in the way. Schedules are crazy. Kids have things. But 
in, in, in all things, right, um, again, baby steps, the more you cook at home is probably healthier. Yeah, I well, I'm a huge advocate of that for a couple of reasons. One, selfishly, I will say I love to cook and I wish everyone knew how to cook more at home just because it's you are in charge of the ingredients that go into the dish. You're in charge of um, the quality of the ingredients that go into the dish. So, you know, you're you're more in charge of the salt, the sugar, the fat and um, the food, you know, the preparation methods. So I anyway, it, it's just kind of like my then place to go in the kitchen. It's a good place to just kind of be creative and and it's it's a way to you know nurture the people you love is to feed them. So, but to your point, our, you know, we live in a really fast-paced world. But I will say to that, this is my word. I we should count how many times I say intentional. <laughs> because <laughs> if you are intentional about saying, I want to get home cooked meals on the dinner table twice this week. I mean, start maybe even just once, maybe that's a, you know, an improvement for someone, um, you know, choose the recipe in advance, make sure you get ingredients in advance, prep it in advance. I'm a huge fan of, I even do this myself, cooking on the weekend often, even just for a couple hours, just chopping some fresh vegetables, maybe, you know, making a pot of soup, just make a pan of rice, throw it in the fridge, have everything that you can just assemble it during the week for that meal. Um, and now, you know, the, the convenience of, you really don't have to cook anymore. You can assemble meals. You can buy, you know, if you're going more plant-based, you're trying to get more plant-based protein, you can buy beans that are cooked and canned. You can get organic, low-sodium, um, you know, garbanzo beans. And you can buy rice that's already cooked and frozen. So you just... Let it thaw, or you put it in the microwave, you combine it with that can of beans and maybe some sauteed onion that you don't even have to chop because you can get them in the frozen section. And you can really just assemble a meal really quickly. You even, you know, chicken or turkey, you know, poultry and stuff. You can buy it already marinated and even cooked. <laughs> you could just yeah. have to bring it home. Yeah. Put it on a plate. So there are ways to do it, but it's about you got to have a plan because the worst time to figure out what's for dinner is it. Five o'clock for dinner. dinner. Standing That's in front the of the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you two, but at the end of my workday, because I I work full time, and by the end of the day, I'm like I can barely form a sentence. I don't want to be chopping vegetables and making a meal yeah. from scratch from start to finish. But when I do it, you know, ahead of time, so I just pull everything together, I can do that. You know, yeah. worst of days. <laughs> You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, when everybody was in quarantine, I know, Ron, you and I have talked about this. We ate at home. We ate healthier. We had meals as a family. We ate things that, you know, we couldn't do during Probably the week. things. Yeah. Um, you know, if I, if I could say I missed something about quarantine, that is something I do. Um, so what about lunchtime? Um, you know, lunchtime is, seems to be hard for a lot of people because it's we only have that short hour if we're working. Um, how can we increase our nutrition at lunchtime? Bring it with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, again, we. I just this is a point of view that I think not a lot of people share, but I'm just going to share mine with you, is that we've sort of been brainwashed to think drive-throughs, takeout, delivery mm -hmm. is a savings of time and money. 
Now, maybe it's a savings of time, but when it takes 30 minutes to get your food delivered, to me, that's, I can be done doing the dishes, but within 30 minutes, if I have something available, right? And so I am a huge fan of bringing your lunch with you. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know people go out to lunch during, as, to socialize at work, and it doesn't mean that you have to bring it every day, but if you're going out during lunch, those same tips that I use for dining out apply regardless of what the meal is. Lead with the plants first. If you can choose a healthier restaurant to start, you know, lead with that and be intentional about what you're ordering. If you can bring something from lunch, for lunch, same thing you would eat at home. You know, make a big salad the night before with a you know, dressing and some sort of protein and a piece of fruit. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich, an apple and some carrots will serve as lunch. You know, I mean, it's, so we don't have, it doesn't have to be elaborate, it just needs, and that's a plant-based lunch, by the way. Um, so, you know, just think of keeping it simple, but keeping it, again, you know, if you've got 30 minutes, by the time you get in your car, you drive somewhere, you go through, you're eating in your car, driving back to work, first of all, it's not good for your digestion, you're not focused on eating, you don't know when you're full because you just, you know, it's hurried, it's not maybe the healthiest food. So I'm kind of a, I lean more toward the more often you can be in charge of your food that you prepare and put into your body, I think it's just really beneficial all the way. And you save money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, it's it's interesting. So, you know, we're talking, um, our listeners, we're talking uh, about 15 uh, modifications um, and lifestyle behaviors that you can change and you can uh that, that you really need to be contemplating. And so um, it's in three, are you ready for this, Pam? Three bite-size manageable pieces. We just covered the first bite-size, talking about biting back with nutrition. Kathy, let's talk about our your second uh, little bite-size that you have. Uh, the next five, deal with fitness. Talk okay. to us about, about helping kind of moving back with fitness because I tell you, if there's one thing that we subscribe to here at the Survivorship Center is movement. Uh, at whatever level you're at, at whatever capacity you're able to do, we are a firm believer in being up and moving as best you can. I'm with you a thousand percent. And like you said to, at the start of the program, one of your cardiologists said 20% of something is better than whole lot of nothing, 100% of nothing. That's how I would say it. And I'm a huge proponent of that. Again, being a trainer for over 20 years, um, I find that, again, that all or nothing mindset seeps into our brains, whether it's food or fitness. And so fitness is like, well, if I'm not running marathons, or if I can't exercise for an hour, if I'm not drenched in sweat when I finish, what's the point? At the cellular level, your body knows the difference physiologically between you going for a 10-minute walk or a 10-minute sit to check your phone because you don't think you have enough time to do anything worthwhile. The more movement, the better. I agree with you so much because our world is just like we've kind of been programmed to think drive-through delivery and takeout is the only way to eat. Now we've kind of been programmed for that. We also get programmed to the less activity, the better. You don't have to move. You can order food on your phone. You can read books. You don't even have to get up to do anything. You don't even have to get up to answer the door. There's a doorbell that shows up on your phone. So <laughs> our world is conditioning us to just do nothing. But we don't have to fall for it. Correct. 
We do not. We're in charge of ourselves. That's where the intentional piece comes in. Yes. You don't, if people can tell you anything, right? Oh, don't move. This makes it easier. You can relax. Like, no, no, we were not built to relax. We're built to move. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So let's you jump. Know, oftentimes, and when I meet with cancer survivors, I think they have a hard time because they know they're not where they used to be prior to diagnosis. And I think it's hard for them to start any type of program doing it in baby steps. Yeah, great point. Because when I think about our audience that we're talking about and talking to here today, what I just shared, you know, my philosophy about move more, that's for everyone, regardless of where you are. But as cancer survivors, we may have mobility issues. We may have stamina issues. We may have neuropathy, side effects from treatment and or medication. You know, women who have hormone positive breast cancer like I did, they're taking aromatase inhibitors or tamoxifen for five to 10 years. Some women have severe side effects from that. However, the antidote to that, what the research shows is physical activity to mitigate. So physical activity, almost, I'm just gonna say this and it might be surprising, in the research we see almost more than nutrition has such a powerful impact on reducing risk of recurrence, secondary cancers, a new primary cancer, um, because of the physiological impact. It's easier to measure outcomes from fitness uh, in fitness research labs than it is to measure outcomes from nutrition. So they, I've always said, you know, there are two sides of the same coin, nutrition and fitness, and especially with, you know, our cancer population, um, that couldn't be more true. But to your point, if you were someone who was extremely active before cancer and now you're just coming back from cancer, like, holy cow, my stamina's not there, my energy's not there, uh, you know, where's my muscle tone, my body composition has shifted, that happens a lot for women um, after, you know, medically induced menopause and treatment can cause, you know, shifts in body composition. So it's, it is a mindset of saying, okay, I can stay here. Or I can just start to improve an inch at a time. So, you know, maybe you couldn't walk around the block when you finish treatment, but now you can walk to the corner and back. Yay. Yep. That's a win. Start with that. So it's a little today, a little more tomorrow, but it's really that consistency that's that keeps people, you know, that gets them to where they can get them back to. And you maybe not, you maybe you can't get back to where you were, but you can get back to being active. It's just a different level of activity, perhaps. Yeah. And during treatment, it's so important if you can. I mean, I know I realize not everyone can be as active as they would like during treatment or active at all, but whatever you can do, it's it's so helpful in improving outcomes from treatment. So we talked about about recommendations for nutrition is what is the recommendation for physical activity? What should our goal be? So in terms of something measurable, like minutes, it's 150 mm -hmm. minutes per week of physical activity. You know, and there are five components to a balanced fitness program. And I think this might be even more helpful. Like someone could time, you know, about 20 minutes a day, seven days a week equals out to about 150 minutes, give or take, you know, like anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes a day, seven days a week. If you that. um, that'll give you that time a lot. But if you think about five components, a cardiovascular component, a strength training component, a balance component, 
a core component and flexibility. Those are the five pieces or components of a balanced approach to fitness. So maybe one day you do something cardiovascular, maybe you swim, maybe you walk, maybe you ride a stationary bike, something to get your heart rate up. Um, maybe the next day you strength train, you know, that will get your heart rate up. <laughs> but, you know, making sure you, that, that helps you come back with that, you know, protecting that lean body mass and starting to rebuild the lean body mass, which is protective for immune system and, you know, especially for women, I always say it helps you maintain underfusion age. So that's important. Maybe you spend one day stretching, you spend one day um, doing core work. So if you can get all of those pieces, balance is so important as well as we age, um, and just kind of rotate through them and mix it up so you don't get bored. That way you keep you engaged to keep yeah. you, you know, getting closer to that time each week, that 150 minutes of time. So Kathy, I have to ask, do you have our calendar in front of you? <laughs> Pam, I was just thinking the same thing. Tell so, me about your calendar. Okay, yeah. So Pam, let's let's start let's 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 start at the basic, you know? Kathy yeah. talks about I'm going to tell you I'm going to revisit kind of by memory what Kathy mentioned and let me let me have you tell me what we have that would fit there, okay? Okay. Kathy talks about walking uh down to the mailbox or around the corner. What do we have? We have walking group. It's twice a week, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We certainly do. Uh, Kathy talked, maybe, maybe you like to swim. Mm -hmm. Have we got a class for you? Absolutely. We have that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. <laughs> Four water. I'm sorry, not Thursday, Friday. Four water exercise classes. Mm -hmm. Kathy also talked about um, building, uh, working on your balance. Yes, we have two classes and that are targeted to that and regaining your strength and regaining your balance. Yeah. When then and there then, was another one. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yep. There was another one that she talked about and she talked about um, uh, the other cardiovascular classes. And we have a handful. We don't have a stationary bike class, but what do we have, Pam? How about Zumba or yes. Pound? Um, I'm trying to think. I think those are our. Yep. The classes that would fit that group. Zumba and pound. And then she also talked about um, some some uh, being flexible and kind of mentioning some flexibility. What do we have there, Pam? How about yoga? We have it on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursdays. Yes. And I have a feeling she might have left out one thing and maybe the mind and body. We, yes. we have a few of those, right? Yeah, you know, we have chillaxation on Mondays, and then we have Tai Chi on um, Friday. And, and I know, Pam, you have mentioned before, and, and Kathy, I'll let you jump in on this, but um, we didn't just pull this stuff out of a hat and come up with, let's have a, let's have a walking group class. You know, um, all of these classes, there is evidence, just as Kathy talked about, there's evidence-based uh, science behind how these things and these these classes help you. Um, I would love to say that I created this or Pam would love to say she created this and came up with having those things for the very reasons, but we've done our homework and we talked to experts like Kathy and, and it's interesting. I don't know if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably can have lost count of how many times the, the guest doesn't know what we have and we talk about and they go, oh, but we have all of that. And so um, the one thing that I'll say before I turn it over to Kathy and quit talking is 
All of that stuff that, that Pam just rattled off is free, 100% free. The other thing we have, which is a very vital resource, is we have um, a personal trainer that is a cancer recovery specialist that we can provide three one-on-one sessions with. So if you are the guy or the girl who, you know, I ran 10 miles or I lifted weights or I did this and I did that and then I got cancer and now I'm trying to get back in and man, it's hard. We need to get you set up and get and get visits with them because um, that's their job is really to help you and get you back on your feet. Um, Kathy, is there anything that we missed that you can think of when it comes to exercise and fitness? Yeah, I just thought of it as you were just really singing the praises of all the beautiful programming you have. I had no idea about that. So that was really a fun, we did not rehearse that. <laughs> it was funny, you were mentioning him and it's like you mentioned him in our calendar order. <laughs> so that's crazy. Um, I love that. But I would say, you know, Exercise, we can't minimize the impact of physical activity and movement on stress, anxiety, um, depression. The positive impact of physical activity and movement in on the psychological side of cancer cannot be overlooked. And I'm so glad I remembered it because you know. For me, the physical side of cancer was, you know, your body heals. It's amazing. You know, most people will get through the physical healing side. It's the psychological side. I know for me that I really struggled with. And fitness, you know, movement, physical activity was the one thing that I relied on. I, I did before cancer. I do now. I do during. Because there's something about connecting your whatever level fitness you're at, but connecting that with music, with um, a mantra, you know, meditation, you know, walking meditation, like the moving meditation that is so powerful in healing and moving really strong emotions through your body. I'm a huge fan of dancing. There um, are many days where there are dance parties spontaneous in my kitchen, <laughs> just for in here in my offices, because it's a great way to, it can bring your energy up, get that it just moves that emotion through your body and there's a lot of science that supports that as well and so if someone is like just so sad that my body is not at the level fitness wise that it was maybe see if it's possible to shift your thinking away from that and look at it as okay but i'm going to use this for my mental health i'm going to you know see if it can give me some energy a better you know outlook I'm not saying you could be all, you know, Pollyanna about your cancer, but if you're just really struggling on that, the dark side, <laughs> the psychological dark side of cancer, which is just so common, and of course, of course it is, um, maybe think about movement to make an impact there. Um, and I'll just say one more thing about that. You know, there are, you know, music therapy, movement, dance therapy, those are true disciplines that can help people get through trauma. Cancer is a trauma. Um, and for me as a lifelong dancer, you know, the the predictability of rhythm in music and and how I know my body's capability with music it was very, was very grounding. Like I cannot, everything else feels like it's just like cartwheeling out of control, but this is predictable for me. And that felt really grounding and 
Sure. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone, but uh, that was my experience. And I, I hear that from a lot of other people. Yeah. One of the things too, in your piece here about moving back with fitness, um, you talk about aiming to reduce sitting time. Oh yeah. And I think it's interesting because um, just a bit ago, my watch buzzed and said time to stand, you know? So we have these Apple watches, Pam, I know you're, you've got an Apple watch and sometimes they tell you to, Time to stand up, you know, and, and it's take that to heart. And I, I'm not saying that I'm not saying Ryan says go buy an Apple Watch. That's not it at all. But there are these things now that are being more intuitive to tell us to remind us when. But we can be uh, more active just by not sitting, right? Mm-hmm. I I don't know if you can tell, but I'm standing up. You are, and I'm sitting. <laughs> I have a stand up desk. I don't know if you've seen those, but I bought it years ago and uh, it's a lifesaver. I can sit and stand all day long because I don't own an Apple watch. I might be the only person on the planet, but I kind of have an internal Apple watch. It's like, I cannot sit there one more minute. So it's really just about, yeah, the Apple watch is awareness. It reminds you, you know, sometimes we need reminders and whatever works. That's yeah. The more you can move, the better. So is there any more tips on fitness that we need to know? Um, No, we didn't talk about the, um, let's just touch quickly on the strength training. How, you know, my one tip is dedicate at least two days each week to strength training and muscle building exercises. So whether you're using body weight or, you know, like dumbbells and machines and such, you mentioned you have a personal trainer who can help people with that because that's wonderful because so many People can be intimidated by the weight training, especially, I don't mean to, you know, pick on us women, but sometimes women, depending on where you're at, um, haven't had that training or that experience. So, in, you know, afraid of being injured is a very legitimate concern. So getting some guidance over training, you know, starting heavy, starting, you know, too much, you know, start low and build up. Even guys, if you're deconditioned after cancer, start low. And build up. I always say I can crush a grown man with a five pound weight. You know, if I having them do the right exercise, they're like, "This is nothing." I'm like, "We're not done yet." I mean, it's really about you know just being starting small, but getting some help there because that's so important to maintain that muscle mass. And then the other one we didn't really talk about is the intensity of your workouts. Again, we're kind of programmed to go hard or go home, and that doesn't fit. You know, for so many people, especially if you're deconditioned when you're diagnosed and then you are going through treatment and you become more deconditioned, you're starting less than zero. So just really remember that. And you don't want to get injured so that then you can't get delayed for even longer to get started. So start with low intensity, build intensity very slowly. Pam, I can totally relate to what Kathy is saying. There's a lot of these podcasts um, that I can't relate to because it's cancer and it's, you know, um, the, the things that are, that come along with cancer, but she's just talked about, you know, I had shoulder surgery in December of, of last year and, you know, being in a sling for, uh, six weeks. And then, then you go to physical therapy and they hand you a, a one pound weight and say, let's do some exercises. You go, Oh, this is nothing till you lift it. And you go, Holy cow. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that I've graduated now to four pounds in, 
and, yeah. Yeah. and, and uh, which, which is a, you know, it's a very realistic challenge of being deconditioned. So I have all the sympathy and the empathy for our cancer survivors. I am not equating can- uh, cancer to shoulder surgery by any stretch, just the sheer deconditioning. I get it. I understand. And I know how hard that can be. So coming from me, you guys, um, understand and take it easy and, uh, you don't need to go back to the gym and expect to, you know, grab onto the 25 pound, uh, dumbbells and do that kind of stuff. Uh, I, Can I make I, one more point about that? I'm sorry. I mean, yes. you. when you finish, no, no go ahead. Yes, you finish, then I'll... No, I was good. Well, cause you bring up another good point. You making me think about these, these things that, um, you had a shoulder injury in my experience when someone has a shoulder injury. And I'm not saying, Ryan, that you did this. They do nothing. It's like, I have an injury. I can't do anything. So I, I like to remind people, if you have a shoulder injury, there are all the other parts of your body that are okay. You can walk. Yep. You could sit on a stationary bike. You could do, you know, sit and stretch. There are things, so, But again, we're sort of programmed and conditioned to think if we have an ankle injury, well, I can't walk, so I can't do anything. Well, then you can do upper body. And you can do core. So again, just broadening, like pulling back and looking at the big picture of okay, maybe you can't use your shoulder, but what else can you use that doesn't compromise healing or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so we've talked about nutrition, we've talked about fitness. There's one more bite-sized uh area. And this one, I think, in in reading through uh this in preparation i i really enjoyed this section because i i don't not that i felt less threatened or felt threatened in the others you know what i mean like oh my gosh or judgmental but this one is something that um the, the, i feel like a lot of these don't get talked about this is kind of that yes and to me this yes and section and so i'm super excited that you included this in your behavior modifications and i'm ready to share that with our folks so let's dive right on in what would you say is one of the first things that that they can do and, and you title this strike back with lifestyle mm-hmm. yeah um lifestyle is if you think about all of the things that you do to care for yourself fall under that heading of lifestyle behaviors and that's what this is about so one of the things that i think people are learning more but when you you eat out a lot and you get leftovers or you order in or you go you know a lot of times those things are sent home for your leftovers are sent home in styrofoam or plastic and we know that there are some chemicals that are leached from plastic and styrofoam into food so i'm a huge advocate of storing leftovers that you prepare at home or that you bring into the home in glass containers, because we know glass, you can repeat in glass safely, you can store in glass safely. So that's, that's what it just reduces your exposure to, you know, what we call endocrine disrupting chemical toxins. Yeah. So what about those glass containers that have the plastic lids? Yeah, well, some of, you know, if you're reheating, mm-hmm. I recommend taking the plastic lid off. And there are these great products. They're silicone um, covers for glass containers, for food containers. So I have a wide variety of those different sizes and shapes. And I'll 
cover you know my glass container with that if I'm reusing it. Or you can just put a glass plate over a bowl or a you know glass container and, and throw it in the microwave. Yeah. What about cleaning products? Yeah. So you know that we cannot escape all the chemicals, all the toxins in the world unless we live in a little bubble that's been hermetically sealed. And that's no fun. So um, it's more about reducing exposure where you can. So if you have, if, if you can, using cleaning products like laundry detergent and you know household cleaning products and dish soaps and all those sorts of things by brands that are, you know, use less chemical components who have a kinder um, profile to their ingredient list that is, you know, can help reduce that toxic load. Because again, it's, you know, it's not about eliminating everything like that from your life because you can't, but even personal care products, you know, like makeup and shampoo and conditioner and um, body lotions and body washes and all the things. And think about how many products you use in a day. It's a cumulative effect of all the different products. So can you, you know, use some products that have a, a lower chemical profile than others? I mean, well, you know, anything that you make, some of those products with are chemicals, but some are have a lower toxicity level than others. Sure. Absolutely. Um, the next one you talk about is some things that we have discussed um, repeatedly, and we've actually had a podcast on, on, on this and actually podcast on everything, you know, that you mentioned in, in number three, um, it's kind of that self-care. It, it, it can be lumped in there a little bit, but let's talk about, I don't want to say it because I want you to say it. What is number three, Kathy? <laughs> three is practicing journaling, meditation, or quiet contemplation. Yeah. To manage stress and ground yourself in stillness. And that's, I'm a huge advocate of, again, our world is so crazy. And we wake up in the morning and hit the ground running and we're just putting out fires and reacting to things. And our emotions and our thoughts just sort of get caught and tangled up in all of that. So personally, I like to start every day with what I call coffee and contemplation. And it's ridiculously early. It's still dark, but nobody's bothering me. <laughs> and it's amazing <laughs> how you can ground yourself, just get yourself in the right place, starting your day. Coffee and contemplation, Pam. That sounds that sounds like maybe a class we might ought to look at next year. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but no, I don't know about early. I don't know about early. <laughs> I don't have them. Our uh, people show up. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You tell them to come in their jammies on Zoom call. Okay. What is number four? I love this one. Um, surround yourself with people who share your enthusiasm for self-care. You will encourage and support each other to live a robust, healthy life. Um, and I talk about how this is the one situation where that herd mentality, you've heard of the herd mentality, like lemmings just follow along the herd um, can really work in your favor because I have worked with people throughout the course of my career where one person in that let's say just a relationship let's just take that for one example is really um, dedicated to improving their health so eating better moving more getting quality sleep doing self-care behaviors and there can be pushback from perhaps the person they're in a relationship with. Um, 
that's challenging uh, because it's not the support that you're not getting the support that you need. And some people can say, doesn't matter what you say, I'm doing my thing. Other people need a lot of support from those around them. So if someone can support you in that, that's great. I would say the other thing is, again, I'm kind of picking on us as women, but it, this is common knowledge and not fabricating something, but women tend to be really great about putting everyone else ahead of them. Everyone else's needs first. And then whatever is left, they're like, okay, now me. And I've had so many clients who say, it's time for this to reverse. I need to put my health and my self-care first, yet they feel guilty about it. And I like to remind them that, you know what? You're like a teapot and you're filling all these little teacups around you. So you have four kids, a spouse, and a job. All Each of those is a teacup. Well, if you have no tea in your pot, the cups are empty. So yep. you can't fill anyone else up until you're filled up. So, you know, support, and maybe it's friends that support you in this effort. Maybe it's not your, you know, we have the family that we choose and we have the family that we, <laughs> the other family. Yes. Oh, <laughs> whatever yeah. you need find those people whoever they are find those people that yeah. community you know often we find um we talk about that a lot on the podcast and we talk a lot about finding your community here um at the cancer survivorship center so if you don't have that community come and join our community yes it's like your tribe find your tribe find your health tribe you know your self-care because self-care is not selfish it's really self-empowering. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the things, Pam, that um, it, this is something, if you're listening and you're local, all right, if you live in the 26 counties and you get our calendar, the soonest you can get, when the calendar comes out, the soonest you can call, text, uh, and get with Melanie, talk about self-care and taking care of yourself. Um Melanie Kathy is our oncology massage therapist, and we have her here at the center uh, three to four times a month um, for about four hours each time. And she does 30 minute chair, back and neck massages um, for for our cancer survivors. And uh, listen, I I don't know what it is, but people tend to come out of there. Like almost like a, a just a a different person. They're walking taller. They're feeling better. They're, they're loosened up. It's not your, you know, deep tissue, hot stone massage. You know, you don't get undressed. It is, it is in a chair and she works her magic on you. And um, those are those kinds of things that I encourage you uh, like that right there, that 30 minutes might mean all the difference in the world. Um, in the rest of your day, the rest of your week, and, and whatever you're going through, just, just to be a part of that. So uh, I wanted to throw that out there. And oh, by the way, that's free as well. So you, you, those are those are awesome things to take care of. And then Pam, I love number five. And you touched on this just a second ago, Kathy, and I, I would appreciate if you would bring it back up. Yeah, well, I just can't get away from the dancing and because the number five is to dance every single day in your kitchen, in your living room, on the street. I've been known to dance all of those places because it feeds your soul. And, you know, like I talked about before, you move emotion through your body, happy emotion. And those are dark emotions. You liberate your thoughts. And I said, like I said, in the, <laughs> it's tough to feel anxious and scared when you're busting a move. I mean, come on, you know? 
It's like, and it doesn't matter what your musical choice is. I don't care if it's gospel, which believe me, there are days when that's all I want to listen to or hip hop or whatever your thing is, classical, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just the music is healing, moving your body through dance is healing. It's cathartic. It is um, liberating. So yeah. I don't care if you can't even keep time. You have no rhythm. Just pretend <laughs> like you do. Doesn't matter. Guilty. Everybody can feel something from music, whether they. Yeah. Yeah. What is That's that saying? Fun. Dance like no one's watching. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, those are all great tips for our listeners. Um, I think I've learned some that I can take away. And Ron, how about you? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and some things that I need to be better about. And um, gosh, you know. A baby stepping. It, it's very, very doesn't have to be hard. That's what I love. Kathy's not saying if you're not doing, you know, those if you answer yes to 10 or more of these questions, you're in big trouble. That's not that's not where this is. You know, if you're not doing 10 or more of these, that, that's not it. It is simply some ideas and some tips. And it's just as we sometimes say, it's it's incremental. It is just being uh, a little more, as you've said, uh, intentional about your health. Um, I think it, the nice thing is, is that it's not just eat healthy, exercise and do this. It's not just that. It, it's like these are these little, little tiny components that when you when you do multiples of them, they add up and make a big difference. Absolutely. So there is um, some people may want to know about your peaceful plate. Tell us a little bit about that program. Oh, yeah, Sure. Um, so I created Peaceful Plate for women who have had hormone-positive breast cancer diagnosis, and they are confused about what to eat, and that confusion is driving a lot of anxiety and guilt and stress and fear about food. And, um, you know, I found there's a gap out there where you could go to see all of my amazing rock star oncology dietitian colleagues. Some people have access to that. Some people don't have access to that. And even when some women do have access to that, they get 20 minutes and they maybe get 20 minutes every three or four or five weeks or so. And they need more. Um, also, I find that, you know, particularly with the women I work with, there is this level of stress and anxiety and fear around food. And not every dietitian, as amazing as all my colleagues are, are trained in how to manage that side of the food piece. And because that's my background, um, I do the education on, you know, here's what the current research shows in terms of breast cancer nutrition for hormone positive. And by the way, here's coaching support, um, validation on the other side where you're struggling to even, you know, like every bite, you're just analyzing every bite and you're fearful every bite, you're like one bite away from a recurrence. And that really is, even if it's not at that heightened level of fear, even if it's that low grade anxiety around thinking like, oh my God, I can't eat sugar. Sugar causes cancer. I can't drink any alcohol. I can't make cancer come back. Um, that sticks, that, that depletes your energy. It doesn't allow you to eat joy. So I, you know, my peaceful plate program, I always say, you know, I help you eat with peace, not panic, so you can enjoy your food again. Because women are not enjoying their food. They, I have women reach out to me and say, I used to enjoy cooking. I love to bake. I like to feed my family. And I, it's lost all its joy. So again, my heart, breaks about that. So my peaceful play program is, that is exactly what it addresses. The educational side, 
as well as the coaching and support side. Because I would say, you know, if you just wanted a list of who to eat, you can get that anywhere. That we go so far beyond that. Um, there's a community, there's a, a recipe library, there are the, you know, particulars of what the program offers, but what women benefit from is they get that confusion is gone, they make competent diet decisions, and um, they eat with peace. That sounds like a wonderful program. How do people get um, involved in that or where they can so, Yeah, so they can go to my website, which is kathyleeman.com. It's Kathy with a C and Lehman without an H. <laughs> so uh, it's kathyleeman.com. Or I'm very active on Instagram and I am at hormone.breastcancer.dietitian. And I'm also on Facebook under the control plate. So they can find me any of those places. Um, send me an email. Find me on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, I encourage you guys um, go check out Kathy's website. Uh, there's stuff on there for you. And again, if you're interested in in, in getting involved with the Peaceful Plate, um, then definitely uh, reach out and uh, uh, get with Kathy on that. This is uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's no reason to go through life. Um, you know, being anxious about something that you can, you know, have help with. Um, yes. We know anxiety, we know depression, we've covered it in a, a podcast, the symptoms, um, you know, you've been through so much, you're going through so much. Uh, we want to help uh, and we, we want to help. And so um, we we're trying to help give you the resources. Uh, the peaceful plate is not available here in town. It is not something you can go pick up and buy, uh, but we're presenting you here with a resource um, that Kathy has that you can reach out to her. Oh, thank you. And, you know, if I could just say one more thing that might help women who are listening to this, and I don't mean to exclude men, but, you know, mostly most women are diagnosed with breast cancer. So that's typically who I work with. But, you know, even, you know, I am, I will just say it. I'm a rock star dietitian. I've been doing it for years at the time of my diagnosis. And I thought, I don't have to worry about my diet. That's the last thing I thought about. And then I was getting ready to go into radiation. I went, hold on a second. You know, like those cartoons where they're like, Rrr! they stop and they go, wait, that's kind of where my brain went. And I was like, I know enough to know what I don't know. And at the cellular physiological level, I know what radiation do, how it impacts cellular integrity. And I know the power of nutrition, but that was not my wheelhouse. I'm not an oncology dietitian. I'm a lifestyle dietitian. So I called one of my oncology dietitian friends, she met with me. We reviewed what I was doing. She heard my panic, like, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I think I'm on. So she's like, yes, she confirmed what I knew, tweaked a few things. And I had such peace of mind. And I, every woman deserves that. But not everybody has a dietitian they can call up and go, can you meet me for coffee? Because that's what we did. And I felt so much better afterwards. And I'm like, and I know what I'm doing. So women who don't know, they're extra panicked. And it doesn't need to be that way. I mean, my program is six months. In six months, you can be on your way, you know, because that's the amount of time it takes for behavior change and the concepts to sink in. This is not like, here, read this list and you're good. It's it's more about, you know, troubleshooting how you use nutrition and lifestyle. It's about community support and it's about, you know, validating what you know. So I just wanted to say that because I too, and I had the same experience. I'm like, I'm sure there are other women who are going through this and, I can help. So that is so awesome. Kathy, is there anything else that you would like to um, tell our listeners that we might have missed? We covered a lot. 
Uh, you, uh, you know, I think you gave everybody so much. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Great info. We covered a lot, but boy, is it great info. Absolutely. So that leads us to our last segment. We are sponsored by Auto Inc. We would like to hear your inspiring moment. Oh, my gosh. Well, I. My inspiration comes from my clients because I'm so. I learn from them and I am inspired by their progress and their success and their attainment of goals. And I had a client recently leave me a message on Instagram and she said, you know what? One of the things you taught me when we were working together was to not be so hard on myself because I was trying to be perfect with my nutrition and diet and what I put in my body, just everything that I was doing for myself. And you encouraged me to give myself some grace and be kind to myself. And she said that has stayed with me and it sort of guides her, her day. And she's shared it with other people. So she said, think about the ripple effect you cause. And I got teary because that's, I mean, that that's what inspired me is seeing my clients store. And so that's a message for everyone. Be kind to yourself, perfection. It's one of the principles of my my program is, you know, stop aiming for perfection because doesn't exist, nor there's no benefit. Yeah. It's awesome. It is. It is. Um, you know, we've been doing this podcast now for two and a half years or so. And um, we, Pam, we talked about this the other day. We always learn something, no matter what the topic is. We always learn something. But the other thing that's very unique, especially if you guys that are have been long-term listeners with us, is the 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 commonality from guest to guest and it doesn't matter what the topic is um we've we've that those that verbiage has come up uh from some of our counseling um guests before is um giving yourself grace giving yourself permission giving yourself you know a a a, a, a do over or a step back um, and then the other one that I know, Pam, you love to bring up is we, we need to quit shooting on ourselves. You know, I should be able to do this and I should be able to do that. Uh, no one's putting that. Pre- well, hopefully no one's putting that pressure on you. It, it's usually a self pressure. And uh, we're our hardest critics. We're so hard on ourselves. Um, and so I love that you bring that up. You know, we're talking about dietitian stuff. We're talking about nutrition and we're talking about lifestyle, but yet you still bring up stuff that gets molded in and brought up from our licensed professional counseling, uh, guests in the past. So, um, I I love that about our podcast, Pam. I know, you know, you're right. We learn something every time and I love their inspiring moments and, you know, you are right. We are our worst critics sometimes. And it's okay not to be okay sometimes. That's right. That's right. Kathy, thank you for joining us. Thank you. This has been this has been amazing. I feel like I could talk to you for another I know. the rest of the day. But thank you for your time and for the invitation to share with your audience and with both of you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Good Tell deal. our listeners one more time where yeah. they can get hold of you. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so my website is kathyleman.com. It's C-A-T-H-Y-L-E-M-A-N.com. And I'm on Instagram. I am the hormone.breastcancer.dietitian. 
Yeah, absolutely. You guys go check her out. Go look at Kathy's website. See if uh, uh, the peaceful plate is is something that you um, can benefit from and finally um, be able to eat and be able to make those choices without the anxiety and the stress and all the unnecessary things. And Pam, I think the homework we leave our folks with is, is um, begin to implement a few of these things. I know there's, I've got a list of things I need to work on. Um, I know that you you said you do as well. And I think that can be our homework is, is to begin implementing in baby steps, a few more of those, those topics that we talked about. Absolutely. That sounds pretty easy to do. And it's even easier if they just want to join us here at the center for a class, a massage, um, you know, uh, whatever it might be, give us a call, 806-331-2400. It's real simple, 331-2400. Our website is a great opportunity for you to look at our calendar of events that's there. It's the number 24survivorship.org. And it's real simple, right, Pam? I mean, it's not like you've got to pass out, you know, a card or fill out all the paperwork and um, give a blood sample and uh, prove all all the things. It, it's it's simple. You you come and join us, and um, we we may have you fill out a piece of paper so we know how to contact you and let you know about other things we have going on. Right? It's super simple. Very simple. Uh, gosh, we appreciate you guys listening to us today, uh, following along. Again, go check out Kathy's website. Check her out on Instagram, and then make sure you join us here next time for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Ribbon. We'd like to extend a special thanks to the Auto Inc. family of dealerships as they have supported the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center since 2016. For more information on the Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website at 24survivorship.org.